0: Booyakasha, as was popular to say in the late 90s. Uh, We have episode 153 of the Scottish Liberty Podcast. We're going to talk about Michael Moore's documentary, Planet of the Hubris. I mean, humans. And here to discuss that with Tam and I is the fantastic Nick Pecon. He is the co-host of Free Markets Green Earth, the only... The biggest, if not the only, um, free market orientated show on environmentalism. And he originally contacted me to say, hey, have you checked out this movie? And I said, well, I better check that out. And then, did Tam, did you listen to it after I mentioned it on Sunday? or had you Yeah, I think
1: I watched it on either Sunday evening. I think it was Sunday evening, Sunday night, possibly Monday morning at some time. But yeah, I I watched it. Um, and the, the first thing I'll say about it is I I thought it had a pretty cool soundtrack. Oh, okay. Yeah. You had King Crimson on on there. You had uh, even Black Sabbath at one point. Um, there was a whole lot of kind of ambient kind of spacey stuff going on. Thought I heard some Tangerine Dream in there at one point, but I could be wrong. So that was pretty cool. I thought it was a well-made documentary, um, I enjoyed it. It done all the things that a Michael Moore documentary done. you know it pushed all all the buttons. How accurate it was it was another thing i mean i the the thing that struck me is that I thought well, these are things these are all things that you know th- these guys are late to the party on this because this these are things that people on our side of the spectrum, if you could call it that. Um, yeah, the spectrum <laughs> all spectrums um and uh the spectrum spectrum and we've been banging on about this shit for the last 20 to 30 years and pointing out continually what a giant uh waste of money some uh, if not most of these uh sort of green energy projects are but as it turns out, some of the stuff he was pointing out was just that—it was like twenty years maybe out of mm. date. Um, but we were we were banging on about it years ago. We're still going on about it. But the lefties are now just some of some of them on the left, and including Michael Moore, apparently, has uh, has just cottoned onto this and has. Uh, so there were some good points. The bad points for me were it was it, it, it seemed intensely anti-human. So that element is still there. And, of course, it wouldn't be a Michael Moore-backed documentary if it wasn't completely anti-capitalist as well. Although it did kind of make a distinction in there. It did mention a kind of capitalism, which was, uh, you know, corporate, mm. sort of corporatism. That's what it was hinting at. Uh, I was hearing some
0: left-wing critics of the movie criticize it for not being anti-capitalist enough. Right. Nikki P, welcome to the show. What made you reach out and tell me to watch this documentary?
2: Well, uh, for me, I was, I was actually uh, incredibly, as a guy who hosts an environmentalist podcast, it, it struck me on a couple levels. Uh, I think my my general feelings about it, I was, I'm I'm excited about it, and the reason I'm excited about it is actually for all the reasons that most of us hate it. Right. It is it is absolutely 100% anti-human. Um, the the technology and like some of the issues it talks about are probably more like five or six years old, which is the one criticism that a lot of the left has okay. on it but the actual problem is that yeah so it's about 5 or 6 years old but all of the premise still stands like those technologies are maybe a little bit better but we're talking like 20 or 30% efficiencies better not not 95 to 100% where they're still feasible right um and while you mentioned the economic impact of those technologies i mean as as a A card-carrying environmentalist, like the thing that actually bothers me more is less the that they're expensive than they're horrible for the fucking environment. Sorry.
1: (laughs) No, sorry. We can. You you can. You can. You can swear as much as you fucking want on this program. Okay.
2: Um. I'm not used to being into hey I don't. I'm not allowed to. So that would have been weird. But the the fact of the matter is, is like all those technologies are awful for the environment. Like, well, even if they weren't more expensive. Like, they generally use the same fossil fuels, as the movie points out, but the mining that, that we do, the rare earth minerals to create the batteries for any, of, like, for any of those technologies is just catastrophic to the planet. Like, I have odd feelings about the fact that my cell phone has to use those things, let alone the fact that, like, we, we'd have to have extra giant ones to use any of those technologies. You know, what does that do to, like, if, I don't know if you've ever seen a picture of a rare earth mine in China, where they get the 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 materials to make the uh make those batteries, but literally yeah. it looks like mordor
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> it's yeah, but the hey, most
2: awful place on earth
1: In fairness Nick just to to put the counter claim i mean most of the environmentalists who criticized the movie uh have said, well, look, you know that's that's a price you pay with fossil fuel technology as well. If you build an oil refinery, or you build a gas, uh, natural gas installation, you're still causing a carbon footprint. You're still creating, uh, you're still using steel. You're still using all sorts of uh, products that you have to mine. Or Absolutely right. To, yeah, so so the, the, the initial costs are still there with fossil fuels, but the bonus, they say, with this is that once it's created, then the carbon footprint's considerably lower.
2: Well, but that's that's actually wrong because okay. I still have the I I still have the carbon from the fossil fuels so that doesn't go away. Yeah. But then I have the carbon from that, plus the rare earth mining, plus the horrible disposal because none of the things are efficient enough to use more than twenty years, and then I'm left with all of this crap. I've then got to bury in the desert. So like. Right you're not we, the problem is that you're not getting away from the carbon in the first place like you're still okay. using that plus all the other stuff like it's just you're you're stacking and people don't don't realize that um the the thing that i absolutely loved about it is because like you said guys like us we've been pointing this out for years like it's you, people i think were sold the false bill of goods and i as someone who's a former lefty i get that so Watching what we consider, obviously, with the premise of this, a hardcore leftist kind of have a come-to-Jesus moment and realize that they that happened, that is incredibly important to me. Now, the thing that I actually think is probably better for us than for them is that how hardcore this person is, I think that anyone who is on the fence about technology like this, they're going to come out and see this movie created by a guy who is alternative is well, we should just scrap this whole humanity project. I don't think people are ready for the let's scrap the humanity project. Yeah. And so, as opposed to pushing more people to the left, I see, it, I see more people who, are, you know what? If this is the case, maybe those guys weren't so wrong on the other side because they don't. Like, if it was like a, a small jump, to, for his logic, that maybe he might have like a better premise. But it's not. It's a huge leap to. Well, these particular technologies don't work right now, so let's just wipe out humanity. We clearly... That opening line where he, he had that question he asks when it actually shifts the movie from the interview where he's interviewing people about it, I can't mm-hmm. remember the specific line, but he, he basically just asked the question, you know, maybe our time's up. Should we just, you know, kill ourselves as a, as a species? <laughs> and mm-hmm. I, I just... I stopped the movie the first time I watched it going... Did he really just ask that question? Is, right. that, is that something a sane person, a rational human being can ask? Hmm. And like I I put put the movie down and I my I messaged like I wasn't I wasn't even gonna finish the documentary. I'm like, oh my God. Like that's that's an insane thing to say. And then my partner's like, Hey, I started it. Are you watching this? I'm like, I wasn't good at it, but like, okay. <laughs> right.
0: Right. And um, it's Yeah, I think one of the things the critics of the movie got right was that it seems to offer no solutions and it just hints very strongly at um, wiping a bunch of us out. Let me just ask you a couple of questions. Um, Mm -hmm. There's quite a few articles claiming that one one of their major gaffes was they went and talked about a solar panel in Australia which oh they were so proud of, but that only had this eight percent inefficiency figure, and even the guy that was meant to be championing this was like really honest and frank about how um, how it could barely electrify electrify. <laughs> it could barely power any houses. Easy for me to say. Um,
2: Wasn't like but, thirty-two houses in a year. Yeah, like, yeah they, something ridiculous to be like hundred.
0: <laughs> a lot of the the articles are. Criticising that saying solar panels now installed in more than 2 million American roofs typically operate at 15 to 20% efficiency.
1: So that's like at least double. Do you, can you comment on that? Well, can I just just before uh, and Nick comes back, yeah, can, uh, can I just add something quickly to that? Um, as far as I read, there's a claim that, um, it's that solar panels take more energy to produce than the general... Okay. It says here, uh, that this is just one website. Um, God damn it, where are we, yeah. The film claims green energy is not replacing fossil fuels and that coal plants cannot be replaced by renewables. To disprove this claim, we need look no further than Australia, where wind turbines and solar panels have significantly reduced our dependence on coal. In South Australia, for example, the expansion of solar and wind has led to the closure of all coal-fired power stations. The state now gets most of its power from solar and wind, exporting its surplus to Victoria when its old coal-fired power stations prove unreliable on hot summer days. What's more, a report released this week by the Australian energy market operator (AEMO) said with the right regulations, renewables could at times supply 75% of electricity in the national electricity market by 2025. That's the claim made by that. This is called theconversation.com.
2: And that's a hell of a claim, <laughs> right? Okay. You know, I can I I I can say pretty much anything. Uh, yeah, we got we got another five years. We, I'm sure it's like those people. We're, we're definitely going to have a uh, right. a vaccine for the COVID and by December. You know? Okay. You know, on an untested technology. That's never worked before on a type of virus that's never worked before. I, you can throw word salad at the wall and make anything stick if you wanted to, I guess. The fact of the matter is, is so even at 75% efficient, or 75% of the, the uh, energy that it did before. Okay, so you're at 75% of the, uh, the, the, the energy before, then you still haven't hit the energy demands of your own nation. So, what, what is the point you're trying to make? And even if that's the case, at what cost? You know, it's one thing Mm. for us here in the first world to sit there and say, we're willing to take it on the chin and make our energy, you know, less efficient, more costly. Right. But I can't think of a single thing that anyone could say that's more racist or bigoted towards other nations of the world that don't have that luxury. Sure, you and me can probably spend a little bit more and, you know, maybe tighten our belts to pay for energy. But. African China, sure as hell can't so yeah. how ins- how how insensitive to is it to us as people just completely overlook those nations when we have to think about well what can people pay for energy, yeah. Yeah. so do we now just have to you know say, well, those countries can use fossil fuels because they need to so they can get to where we are? well, China's a gigantic emerging population, and and most uh, first world c- countries have kind of we're already moving in the, the, the direction that we're supposed to be moving because we care about this stuff. Yeah. But th- their population's huge. If you just ignore them when we're talking about this, what's the point in like doing that to any of our other nations? So we're crippling every first world industrialized nation so that China can <laughs> take advantage of all of us? Like they're not pumping any less carbon in the world. That's not going to happen yeah. anytime soon. Yeah. So it's it's just very frustrating to see how the The ways that people think about it, yeah. I like guess, just point out the fact. Okay, so seventy five percent of the energy, which means you're still going to need to find twenty five percent somewhere, or you're changing the way your people live. Right. So,
1: yeah. And the, the, I mean, obviously, what that article doesn't say, as we are mentioned is how much it's been subsidised. And I, I, I thought that was there was a, a key moment for me in the film. I mean. I, I thought the movie On Balance was good in the sense that we can go on as much as we like about this stuff and nobody really on the left or who's into this kind of stuff is listening. If this makes at you know, at least some of the people on that side of the of the divide, if we can call it that, start listening because Mike you know, it's that only Nixon could go to China thing. The very fact that Michael Moore has these leftist credentials may make some people actually sit up and take note. And I think it's a win-win for us. In the exactly. Sense that, okay, yeah, if, 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 it's, if the film is in, in the best part true, then th- that's good for us. If the film is extremely inaccurate and full of inaccuracies and, you know, overblown and sort of uh, convoluted uh, and contrived, then that only goes to show what we've been saying about Michael Moore <laughs> for the last 20 <laughs> years as well. So it's kind, of a, it's kind of a win-win. There was a key moment in the, the movie for me where he, inter, where he interviewed one uh, looked like an Indian woman. Uh, when I say Indian, I mean South Asian. And she, was, she highlighted the subsidies. She went, every single one of these industries that are doing supposedly well, are being massively subsidized uh, with state money. And that's well, what's given them the veneer, at least, of success.
2: Well, and that's that's not beyond me, I'll tell you that much. When, when you're watching the movie, I'm thinking about, uh, I remember when I was in electrical school, we went and we actually looked at one of those wind turbines, which, by the way, are really cool things inside. Um, but one of the things that we talked about was the economics of it. And the economics of it worked because more than 50% of it was subsidized by the government to be there. Otherwise, it wouldn't make enough electricity to warrant its cost. So the big thing, and I'm curious if you guys noticed this, because there was more than what the movie talked about was the glaring omission of what the movie didn't talk about.
1: Right. And when it comes
2: to renewable energies – it seemed odd to me they kept focusing on these three major ones. They focused on biochar, or sorry, um, bio <laughs> biomass, yeah. uh, wind, and solar. But there's a fourth, far better technology available that it pretended doesn't even exist in the world that was mentioned in passing once or twice, I think, and that's nuclear this movie went so far out of its way to pretend that those types of energy don't even exist. It's not even something that's on the table. And it's probably in our generation, in our era, one of the safest and one of the most cost effective ways that we we could could produce energy and leftists just ignore it entirely. It doesn't exist in their world. Yeah. And that's incredibly frustrating because as someone who does care about the environment, why are we not talking about this? Like, this isn't 1970s. Like, the, the, the technology is considerably different and considerably better. The likelihood of a Chernobyl-level thing is pretty nil, and I hate to say it, we kind of survived that too, even as awful as that was.
1: So well, let me, come, can, let me can come you just at tell- you as an ANCAP then on that one on the nuclear. Sorry, Anthony, just do it. Um, my main objection to it i suppose as a as a libertarian and a free marketeer is the only way to my knowledge and i could be wrong in this um the the, the industry the nuclear industry won't get rid of its own shit. they expect the government to do it for them and also they no private insurance company will underwrite it, so it falls on the taxpayer to underwrite it and insure it. Are those are, are my impressions false? There or
2: I, I I'm gonna be honest. I, I'm not entirely sure. Okay. <laughs> I've, I've, they, they, those they, those are good questions. Um, yeah, that and good being free said, no, questions. absolutely, and that's, yeah. I, 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 I'm not against asking questions, even when it comes to the wind and the solar. I'm not saying yeah. that those technologies won't ever be there. Like I'm not yeah. saying that they can't be created. The issue is. When it's so heavily subsidized by government to try and produce them, I think that they'll, they'll, be, they'll be useful when they're useful based on human ingenuity, when it tackles those problems that it's able, able to tackle. Right. No amount of government money ever seems to make things happen faster, in my experience. It Uh, happens when they happen.
0: (laughs) There's this idea that if you subsidize an industry, you're going to promote that industry. But like most government programs, it can have the complete opposite effect, right? Because you're paying them to be inefficient. If they actually have to meet the market standards to be efficient, there's more of an incentive there to improve the technology so you can make a profit out of it. Of course, all forms of energy have received massive subsidies, including the fossil fuel industry. And that's where I was
2: going next. Is... It was
0: built on the nuclear industry was absolutely built on government subsidies, um, in the, uh, at the beginning. So, but there, there's quite a few points. But that then I, that
1: sorry, sorry, that would tend to contradict what you just said previously. Well, well how
0: about of, how oh, <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, initially, uh, um, I don't know, I don't know how much it goes on. But, I mean, they wanted to get it on the ground because they wanted to offset the cost of getting weapons-grade yeah. um, materials to make nuclear bombs. Yeah, it was, it was an
1: afterthought, that. really. En- energy was an afterthought. Oh,
0: yeah. Right. Yeah. So there's quite a few questions that I want to put to Nick, right? Uh, one of one of them is...
2: Well, 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 real quick. I I don't want to finish up here. So, real quick... The big thing is, so you, you could talk about subsidization, but I don't want to ignore the fact that the largest army uh, that has ever existed on planet Earth is required to protect all those oil fields out in the Middle East. And let's not ignore that in the cost equation of how much the fossil fuel industry is subsidized. We have literally no idea what it would cost to produce fossil fuels because of how much money the entire world order maintained to keep it working his yeah. costs to our, my my country in particular. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. that, I just want to make sure I get that in there. In the, yeah. No, that, 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 so.
1: that that's yeah. that's very true. You know, we're at the mercy of oil cartels that could be broken up and, you know, it could be a lot more efficient, a lot cheaper and cleaner to 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 extract oil, coal and gas if we didn't have these government-backed monopolies. Mm
2: mm-hmm. Mhm so sorry about it, anthony i just want to make sure i no, finish sorry
1: yeah
0: yeah so what we're saying is basically you need a, a free market to be able to see the relative costs and benefits of each of these different kinds of energy and all these interventions into the economy just blur the lines and make it impossible for us to see truth from falsehood when it comes to how we should be providing our own energy so one of the major um criticisms leveled at Solar power that I agree with is it seems to take tons and tons of room, and um, the cost has been coming down and the efficiency has been going up. But what I'm really interested to hear, Nick, is what are your thoughts on these solar-powered roof tiles? Because they obviously aren't going to take any more extra space, uh, whereas big fields of solar panels do. Are they? Are will they? Do you? Can you see them being useful
2: a hundred percent like th- those are the kind of technologies I actually like I, like I said, I'm not against these technologies to be against these technologies, yeah. I just don't think they're ready yet, like where they're it's the idea of trying to force them to take over when they're not prepared to take over i I absolutely say give, thinking given another fifty to a hundred years, maybe sooner, like those technologies can be made viable, they're going to be made smaller. They're going to, like, for all I know, 50 years from now, we're going to have a coat of paint you can slap on the outside of your giant concrete building that turns your entire building into one giant, uh, you know, solar panel. But we're not there yet. We're, okay. we're there where we're still running, like you said, 15 to 20% efficiency on things. I think that, I, I personally, I'd rather see our roofs made into gardens than solar right, farms, cool. but that's a thing I'd rather see.
0: <laughs> right, but here the, the interesting thing is we can tell the technology is not there. Uh, this is something that the left don't understand because people haven't adopted it. It's like, if I knew that I could put solar panel tiles on my roof and it was going to eliminate my ex- electricity bill, or even get me a bit of money. Not only would I do it, and when I say I, I mean one, anyone. Not only would s- people start doing it, they'd be going around to their neighbors shouting about it. Do you know what I mean? It's obviously not there because it's not been widely adopted yet. That well, is so... well, tell me if I'm wrong.
2: No, the, you, you, I, on net, you, you're correct. But let's not pretend that some of the games that aren't played by giant corporations that have monopolist industries where they'll buy up technologies okay, and then, fl- then hide them. Um, like if you watch that Need to Grow documentary we talked about and like look at some the, that green powerhouse and what that thing managed to do and then how it burned in a fire, a, a, oh, building, wow. full of, a, a building full of water. Meanwhile, the furnace is still standing and looks untouched next to it. I'm not saying that someone, you know, had a vested interest to make sure that technology never comes out. But we know people have a vested interest to make sure the technologies don't come out and shit happens. Yeah. I, okay, I think that's, that's I, a valid I, point. I think that there's a lot of technologies that may not ever see the light of day, even if they are useful. The, the, the main population gets out and realizes that. I think you're absolutely right. But there's a heck of a, a, heck of a market incentive to keep those technologies from ever getting to that point so you know i I, I, as much as i'm against subsidizing green energy you said i'm very much against subsidizing the fossil fuel industry propping that Mm -hmm. up, which i think we still do so the big thing is is we don't have any idea what any of the energy we use costs or costs because it's so intertwined into other other costs of our culture and it's very frustrating for for me you may, be, you may be right. You know, th- technically, in a free market, that is exactly how that would happen, right, okay. but we don't have it. <laughs> okay,
0: well, that's a very valid point. So could you tell us a little bit, since you touched upon it already, how nuclear energy has evolved since the days of Chernobyl, and even comment on the explosion that happened in uh, Fukushima? Uh,
2: I'm going to be honest. Fukushima scares the hell out of me, and I'm not as educated on it as I want to be. I remember when it happened. And then I remember how we just stopped talking about the fact that we've done nothing about it. It's been leaking nuclear waste into our uh, our oceans for, oh, what's it been now? Almost 10 years. That terrifies me. Um, what I will say is, to a degree, the world seems to have gone on. Uh, so you have to wonder about how damaging all these things that they've told us to be terrified are. Maybe they are damaging us more than we have. You know, we still really haven't seen. Is my generation all going to die of cancer? You know, is that how right. it's going to work? Can you
0: comment on why they build those uh, nuclear reactors on a fault line? There is actually a reason for it because a layperson would say, "Why are you? Why are you building that where there's likely to be earthquakes and volcanoes? That's crazy." But actually, it's something to do with the way they cool the reactors or something like that.
2: Well, I mean, that's the reason they built them on the ocean. I know that because they have all that water ready and available to get to the reactors and cool them. They don't need to pump it in; it's just right okay. there. That's that's the way I understood it. But the thing to understand is that we're also talking about reactors that when that that should have been decommissioned many many years ago. They're about three generations outdated when they, when they actually had the issues so like they were the top of the line technology back in like the 1970s and then had not updated any of their systems. Like as the technology became available, like they are a solid 30 years behind all of the technology that's powering France right now. Cause France from what I understand is way up on the nuclear and they've been safely using it for decades now. And I, I believe it does produce a large portion of their energy in their country. Well, because, because they are so extreme.
1: You know, yeah. Britain, in fact, takes a lot of energy from France. Um, so while we slap ourselves on the back for going terribly green, we are, in fact, importing energy from huge oil consuming nations like Russia and from nuclear nations like France, you know, uh, which is not widely publicized, but it, it, it's what we do. Uh, and I think even Germany was in the process of shutting down its its uh, nuclear reactors, but I think is now considering reactivating them but as I understand it there' 's this, this three major nuclear disasters mm-hmm. that everybody talks about. Chernobyl is obviously the the, the, the very worst and the, the biggest of, of of them all uh, there 's the the Fukushima one and there 's also is it three mile island in the, in, in yeah. the u s but Fremile Island was there's no deaths involved whatsoever in that, as far as I know. Not in the, the first instance, maybe people died years later, I have no idea. And then the Fukushima one was there any actual deaths in Fukushima, or, or, or was the death rate minimal? I don't know.
2: Uh, Fukushima, from what I understand, it, it did have it, it a cost on the surrounding areas, yeah. um, and I don't think it was like anyone immediately dying. I think there is a lot of People are going to die prematurely because of it. Yeah, that's the way I understand that. Yeah, I don't want to point out. I have to point out, like the massive, massive government involvement in all of these projects. Probably the most of which would be, you know, (laughs) um, Chernobyl. Which, and if anybody's not watched that documentary or the film that they did about it, it's a really, really engaging film. Uh, I recommend checking it out. It's it's a little depressing. (laughs) <laughs> but mm-hmm. if, you, if you're on the fence about how much you like governments, let me tell you, <laughs> you won't be afterwards.
1: Yeah, but we know that wasn't real communism. It wasn't real socialism, you know. God, God forgive us if we ever saw that. Government, that would <laughs> yeah. never have happened.
2: Yeah. Well, what so. we saw was real people reacting to yeah, the real I, people yeah, deal with definitely. real incentives. Yeah. So it seems to me
0: there's a lot of wishful thinking amongst critics. You know, they want green energy, what's called green energy, but turns out not to be create green energy. They want these renewables like wind and solar to be more efficient, uh, to be efficient enough to power us. And to be honest, I want that too. I like the idea um, of us being able to live in harmony with nature. I don't know if um, global warming is man-made. I'm skeptical. Uh, I, I'm skeptical of the idea that the earth cannot adapt to absorb the extra carbon because from what i'm seeing you know trees love carbon and they can and they pump it into greenhouses we, and we and, seem to be doing
2: really make... good here on earth with all that carbon in there
0: <laughs> a lot right. better than yeah. we're doing 100
2: years ago or 200 years ago yeah right. okay again.
0: well i mean that's again that's uh we've got a lot more rich Uh, Over those last 200 years, I believe in technology and I believe that if there's going to be solutions, I know a lot of people in the green movement are like, oh, they just want more technological solutions to problems that are created by technology. And I'm like, dude, that's how like civilization has worked always right you know we kill we i don't know we killed we started fishing and that was great but then we fished too many fish so we needed to learn to do something else everything we do creates problems and human ingenuity has the uh, the ability to react to those problems Uh, and i just think that that's the that is the force of life that is the for force of the universe that's how evolution operates you know and
2: and 100%, that is the, literally the entire premise of Free Market Screen Earth. It's to point out the fact that human ingenuity seems to have done really, really good so far. And yeah. it, the, the thing is it just doesn't deal with problems before it needs to deal with problems because that's how human beings work. I've, I've heaped a lot of praises on this movie, obviously, but the, I do want to push back. And, and the pushback that I personally will give is so when you're talking to these people, and they give you these dire, horrible, you know, oh, my God, humanity is going to end. And then the question I ask is, do you think humanity is capable of doing so much damage to the planet that it doesn't bounce back? Like, do you think that we're even remotely capable of doing yeah. that? Do you, or yeah. do you think that we'll kill ourselves off for whatever way we do, and then eventually nature will do what nature does? And everything exactly. will? But we're, and, not turn, we're not yeah. going to
0: We're not going to we're not going to turn planet Earth into Venus, you know. No matter how much carbon we put into the atmosphere, exactly.
2: So, what? Uh, what would you? So say why not to those... let us see how far we can go? Why, so why do what... we? If if the end result is yeah. us dead either way, let's not. Why, why don't we see right. how great we can make it for us before that happens?
0: What do you say no. to people who would say, "But Nick, you say you know human ingenuity doesn't." Um, Respond to these pro- uh, problems unless it has to but that's a bug not a feature because you know We we don't see that like if someone holds a knife to your throat you see the immediate threat but If it's like vaguely sometime off in the distance 20-30 years by now from now then um, Then people people don't respond to that, but they need to because we
2: need to take action now I say it's horseshit right? absolute hundred horseshit because if you look at any first world industrializing nation we've all gotten better at this we inve- we've invented things to put on our smokestacks granted they make products more expensive but they make it so we don't have to pump our fucking skies full of carbon like they- these these things exist you look at things like the the green power plant out there which turns turns its carbon from uh biomass into you know Carbon that goes into your soil where yeah. it belongs to help grow your plants it, 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 that, like, that one in particular I love because one of my big sticking points is just what the what the fossil fuel industry has done to uh, our soil because that is something I do see as being a real problem, being exasperated by huge monopolies created by our government I'll, I freak out about like how we should be doing our farming industry differently. But I'm not gonna sit here and say like anything that we would do to change the farming industry short of you know wanting to kill a ton of people. Like we can't just make farming less productive. We have to do it in a way that's going to allow people to thrive. You know, I'm not Bill Gates out here saying you know, oh, we need the whole population of the world to shrink. Clearly, the world has managed to survive the population, and when it stops being able to produce enough. We'll stop procreating because there won't be enough food for us. The same way it happens to a deer population out in the middle of New York State, the same way it happens to any other animal in the environment. And that's one of the things that I find, find ridiculous is that, like, especially when you talk to the left, they, they, they have these two positions that they want to completely ignore. And they kind of want to ignore the fact that they'll sit there and talk like we're, we're part of nature and how we're going to affect nature, but they want to ignore – power part of nature when every other species functions exactly like we do it grows until its food source is not able to sustain itself yep. like that's how every other animal population works and they freak out like it's, it's just frustrating because i don't I, it's, it's hard to follow any train of logic because there, there kind of no isn't one <laughs> like, well yeah, i mean exactly. the
0: logic is we have this feeling that we're doing something terrible to the planet and I want that feeling to go away and the only way is to say why doesn't the government do something about it and I, I mean I think it's psychological Um, I mean for myself I still note it you know when I was in I was kind of like my mum grew up really poor right so she had this thing about not throwing things away and not wasting things and um, but the thing is She'd make exceptions wherever it would suited her. <laughs> uh, so typical. Uh, of, but, but the thing is, it really... Of ent- your mum or just women in general? <laughs> well, I'll leave that to the discretion of the audience because it was deliberately ambiguous. Um, so, so for, but the stressfulness of being able to be chided, you know, by my mum for any time for not doing something right entered me and I started to... Um, apply it consistently and I didn't want to take out tinfoil to put it in the oven because it would be a waste of tin foil. and uh, when I was in university, even though uh, I, I would, I don't think there's anything wrong with this, but I mean, it's not going to save the world, you know, I'd write all of my notes on um, scrap paper that people printed out on an error because they, you know, and then in the library and I just wrote my notes on the back of it, I still do it actually, um, You know, I grab napkins off off, off tables and uh, shops and cafes, you know, if if someone had just abandoned them so as not to waste them. So it entered me psychologically. And even though I recognize that this is like psychologically motivated, it's hard to like click yourself out of it Um, to the degree that it's, you know, it's not hurting anyone. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, there's nothing wrong with saving, saving, not use napkins. But so so that they don't get wasted. But um, when you think about the fact that one pizzeria is um, wasting more cardboard boxes and napkins every day, then then if you did that your whole life, you would save. It kind of puts your your impact as an individual into perspective, which is why... Well, we use our
2: pizza boxes in our garden. Oh,
0: great. You use that (laughs) to to compost?
2: Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, well, my wife's been doing what I think is called a lasagna gardening to help recreate the soil in our backyard. You know, you do a layer of uh, cardboard. Brilliant. It kills the grasses underneath it. And then you put on, you know, the, the the compost as you get it. And eventually that cardboard's just more carbon in the, the, the ground.
0: Oh, man. So, uh, I, I, and I just took two pizza boxes out to the blue bin this morning. But, I should have brought them to my dad's house for his garden. I want you
2: to think about what you just said. And this is one of the things that, like, you, you and me, and I, I presume, Tom, are all, we're probably the worst, the worst, man. We're these hardcore capitalists over here. We are, we are big business-loving, hardcore capitalists. Yeah. And We and wipe our ass
1: and $100 bills yeah. and light up cigars with fucking, yeah.
0: Do <laughs> yeah. you know why I love and shopping in Primark so much? I just like to know. That my three pound slippers were made by the blood, sweat, and tears of starving Indonesian children. It just makes them so much more comfortable to wear.
2: Uh, don't even get me started, Anthony. We're going to have to have you on uh, Peace Freak so we can talk about your your episode on uh, capitalists the other day. Uh, okay. But but my point being is that so we're supposed to be those people that yeah. don't care about the environment, that don't care about any of this. And and yet here we are having a discussion about specifically that, and I don't think at any point in here one of you guys has said, "Ah, fuck nature! We're gonna we're gonna pave the entire damn thing." That's not a discussion. I, I do that suspect that
1: secretly thinks it, though. I do think. <laughs> <laughs> no, but why don't um, why dislike is Gaia worship? Right, I, I don't like this idea that. Look, Mother Nature is a fucking cunt. Okay, it's not <laughs> she hates this. Ben- us. It, 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 so it's not this benign thing. Okay, bubonic plague. This idea that things that are man-made are bad and things that are natural are good. Well, you know, uh, right bubonic there, pl- bubonic plague is completely natural. You know, um, well,
2: you're you're giving into them already. I am going to play like this. You're 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 already giving them more credit than they deserve. Right. The whole idea of anything quote unquote natural versus unnatural. We did an episode way back when we started Free Market Screen Earth about this. Okay. Called uh, the most uh the most da- most dangerous invasive species. Right. You know, dun 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 mm. man. Why is anything that human beings do unnatural? I said this. We, as we, well are, are, know, an, yeah. we are an we are animal that goes out and recreates our environment as best we can to be more suitable for us granted we're really really good at it better than anything in history ever seems to have been but why is it that we get to declare what we do doing a process that every other creature does why is it unnatural when we do it versus
1: this was the point i was (laughs) going to make there is absolutely nothing unnatural about six lanes of freeway it's what we do there is no difference in my mind between us building a suspension bridge and a beaver building a dam exactly. you know it, it's it's what you know or, or a bird and, and building thing a thing nest is, a beaver so,
0: doesn't you, even have the ability to consider the externalities to its environment of building in a dam whereas humans are actually starting to think oh should we really be doing this and trying and trying to assess things now they may err and usually when government gets involved it, it fudges the incentives and encourages us to err, but in a state of nature, we are likely to want to consider the wider consequences of what we do, especially when we're wealthy. When we're in poor countries, you just do whatever you need to do to survive. People come to me all the time and say, oh, well, what about when they chop down the Brazilian rainforest? Well, for one thing, what the fuck else are Brazilian people going to do to make money other than cut down the rainforest? Because they don't have a free economy where they can make money by trading and building up well, other industries compared to relatively developed
2: nations. Well, what I would argue in that case is, are Brazilian people cutting down their forests or are large multinational corporations okay. cutting down their forests, whether or not they give a damn? Yeah, And exactly. those are things that I think are important. To, like, don't... Yeah let's not get it twisted that's a that's there's a whole lot of non-voluntary human interaction there that like i would like to do away with that's the other
0: that's the other side of the coin which is that these are countries where where they don't have strict respect for property rights so even exactly even if a charity wanted to go into brazil and say right we've got tons of donations we're going to buy up the amazon and not cut it down they wouldn't, the, the the government would still sell off the logging rights after the charity bought the land that's why they won't yeah. do it
1: well so, a lot so a lot of this land as well maybe not as much as uh, on the fossil fuel side of things but as that documentary demonstrated as well that you know much of this land is being cleared for biofuels and and biomass you know like uh, stuff sugar yeah. cane um, sugar beets you know there's, there's, i don't think there's anything that, that will deplete a soil uh in the way that sugar beet will because you can't grow jack shit in there for a few years after you've grown sugar beet because it depletes the soil quality so much
2: you keep saying sugar like it's not one of the most subsidized things yeah. in the world yeah. my government yeah. like, so much like fucking money on sugar it's insane
0: and all that government money for
1: corn ethanol, which was completely inefficient as well. And why, then... why are we why are we subsidising sugar yet at the same time telling people it's bad and taxing it? What's the point of subsidising it on the one hand and then taxing it on the other? Why well, not I mean, just well, the... stop subsidising it and that will force them to look for alternatives?
2: Well, uh, don't that's... go making sense there, Dan.
1: <laughs> well, the thing is, it totally makes
0: no sense if you don't understand point, um, public choice theory as a branch of economics, because there's a, you know, there's a group of people who benefit from the subsidies and fight to defend their subsidies, and there's another group that wants to tax it, that fight to tax yeah. it. So, uh, 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 in, uh, the other side of the coin of what you mentioned about sugar beets is one, one thing that I always found really interesting, which is industrial hemp is illegal. And the industrial hemp is the opposite of sugar beets. It improves the soil. And a lot of the time when forests have been cut down, what they say is a good thing is to grow industrial hemp for a few years and then start replanting the trees because they'll grow better. It's also one of the fastest biomass, sorry, CO2 to biomass converters. So if they really believed in reducing... The carbon in the air. Then they legalize industrial hemp. It can take the carbon out of the air. Then you can process it into oil and rope and paper and all sorts of things.
2: But yeah. you're, no, clothing. we're not allowed to do yeah. that. Well, you move. Uh, see, and that's one of the things that makes this even more complicated. Is just because you're following human incentives. I'm going to be honest. I don't know any lefty that wouldn't be completely ecstatic about growing hemp. Right. So yeah. now we're getting into the fact that there are differences in what governments industries. desire you know and what people want
0: so uh, let me th- ask you a question can you can you comment a little bit more on biomass uh, and its coverage in the film and anything that you know that we don't basically teach us <laughs>
2: you- oh, well it's honestly honestly uh, biomass is not something that i paid a whole lot of attention to prior to this movie i didn't realize that it was maybe as widespread as it is so that was something that was really interesting to me was just I learned a heck of a lot more about that one. Usually I focus on, you know, uh, nuclear, you know, and, and complain about the other two. So I, I think that a lot of, so much of this movie was just weird in the, the omissions and I, and I, and it happens like in the way the movie presented things, but it also happens in the fact that like, that's been almost om- omitted from my worldview that I mm. wasn't even aware that that was going on to the degree it was. Right. So, And I think that's part of the issue that we face with all of this is that, oh, so much of this happens uh, with people that we're not, we're not privy to those conversations. Like we, most people don't think about how their power is generated. They just think that, Hey, my shit lights up when I want it to light up. Mm -hmm. And, you know, even as somebody who's really interested in the topic and, and, and follows it to a degree, That was kind of completely a blind spot to me, so it means they're really not talking about that one, Mm. and yet it's kind of in the background behind all of this, apparently. So
0: it seems like it has been roundedly criticized, roundly criticized by the environmental movement as well. I was on the Wikipedia page chat, and um. Uh, there was a line on the wikipedia page for this movie that said it has been widely criticized for its inaccuracies that had no footnotes at all whereas the previous line that said um something else had three footnotes and i went on the talk page and i said this is just prejudice you can't you know throw a line In there without footnoting it, but that those people, those they're always the people who are like members of their local skeptic society, you know, the people who are skeptical about everything except for their own dogmas, and you they just dominate you. That the person who put the line in is somewhere high up in the Wikipedia food chain, and there's no objectivity to it. But one thing it did say is it's been noted for its fair criticisms of biomass so they so that those kind of more mainstream intellectuals seem to think that it's, 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 it's oh, valid yeah. sorry there that.
2: well there's actually there's a, 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 a point i want to bring out that it, it, it really shows the cognitive dissonance of the okay. uh the, the director in the very beginning of the movie he talks specifically about how excited he was to create his home out in the hills and, and be yeah. completely disconnected from a thing and how he, you know, would completely heat his house, his home by wood. And yet we get to the two thirds of the way through the movie and he's railing against using trees for energy. Uh, and, interesting. and, and in, in, in not noticing, that, like, but, but what you were choosing to do living out in your home was burn trees for energy. Your home was made out of trees. Like, they they never make that connect mm, that mm. that the whole thing is the whole thing is about energy and it doesn't matter if you're burning it to heat yourself which is by the way incredibly fucking inefficient
0: yeah that's what I was just yeah. thinking i'm <laughs> sure i'm sure when they burn a tree in a biomass converter they try and suck every every little um sit- bloody hell i can't even remember. jewel of energy they can out of it, whereas if you just do it in your fireplace you're not going to burn it efficiently. So they, they will be more efficient. I did not love seeing those stacks and stacks of trees being being felled and thrown into it though I have to admit, um, well, is, but, but yeah um, sorry go on. Tam. Yeah
1: th- this is another, I mean the, you, the, it was defined earlier as shit. at least shit can be used as manure. I think it's worse than that. It's dog shit. It's completely toxic as well. You know, um, to come out and say somehow, okay, if a tree falls over and dies, In the forest doesn't does make a sound. Michael Moore's not there to make a documentary about it. No, if if it falls over, dies, goes into the ground, fossilizes for a few thousand years, then we dig it up and burn it incrementally so that it releases its energy a lot slower and you can burn little pieces of it for longer, that's bad. But if you chop the same tree down and just burn it, that's good.
0: Well, there is a rationale for that. Okay, Um, go for it. I'm not saying it. Well, what they're saying (laughs) is the trees are basically part of the regular um, carbon cycle anyway, whereas when you take the coal, you're taking ancient fuel, and um, that's that's not part of the cycle going round and round quickly. And um, if you believe in the global warming hypothesis, that's um, that stands to reason from their worldview that that would be worse.
1: Still sounds like dog shit to me. But so, then I'm not an
2: expert. so I want to give, so give you some homework here, Tam. Okay. I want you to go and I want you to look up the Need to Grow documentary. OK. Um, and. The reason, like, it's, it's interesting that they kind of came out in a similar time to me, or at least that I discovered them in a similar time. The whole documentary is about this, uh, the, the green powerhouse I've mentioned a couple times. And essentially, it's a closed system where it, it, it burns biomass. Like, that's what it does. Okay. Now, it burns that biomass, but as opposed to releasing it into the air, it, it releases the carbon straight into an algae system.
0: That's cool. And, As
2: fuck. and and so the idea is when they're doing the documentary and and you know please if people know more about this that you want to contact me absolutely do I'm always about learning, but it, it definitely confirms my biases about technology, because the idea behind the whole project is that he's created a closed system and they they ask him so, so what you're doing is essentially 400 years worth of work by burning the biomass. And then getting it back in the carbon, because or getting it back in the ground, because that's the problem. It's not the fact that we we have a system where we burn carbon. It's the fact that we throw it into the air as opposed to putting it back into the soil. So if you find a way to do that by getting it back into the soil, say the technology this guy invented, that's that's a game changer. Like that's that makes things so much different for, for us for everything. Like that's a way. Okay, so if we now have a way to generate power and create help reinforce our soil kind of all in the same thing then why wouldn't we be doing that so no, that sounds awesome <laughs> so one thing as you said the guy
0: sounded said how excited he was to move um to this home where he'd be self-sufficient and um burn fire to heat it and stuff like that and I have to say, at no point during the documentary did he ever sound excited about anything. If there's one thing <laughs> the critics really got right about this documentary: is he had a boring ass voice. He didn't even try, and clearly I got
1: that at first, but I got used to it.
0: Well, the thing is, I just wonder why no one on the team said, dude, can you put a little bit of color into your narration? Like, why don't you use several pitches with your voice? Maybe just
1: try to sound authentic, you know? Well, he sounded
2: authentically boring as fuck. <laughs> don't, don't you preach the stoics here, brah? Come on. Me? Like, you, you know, you, you got to hate for someone that's managed to keep their emotions in check. Well, yeah, I've learned a exactly. lot about it. What kind of therapist you, you, are you? <laughs> um, I've learned a lot about
0: the use of my
1: voice. and. Would uh, would you rather he
2: be manic and freaking out?
1: <laughs> yeah. Would yeah, you want to be a children's television presenter? Here, so, like here th- horns every couple of minutes.
2: And <laughs> but 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 I mean, watching the documentary, we all know exactly why he managed to keep that measured tone because he wanted to come off as sounding serious with a yeah, dire right. message because yeah. his message is humanity is fucked. right? And he wants to... Impart that to you by sounding as if, you know, he He's he going really. To sleep. Yeah. Well.
1: Right. Yeah, but I, I mean, I, I think well. it, 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 it. I got used to the guy's voice. I kind of found them quite likable. I like me too. How, but he was still I, I think it, it demonstrated as well how um, those p- people in the in the environmentalist movement do not like to answer awkward questions. They, they, they really don't like it you know it's uh when you question the orthodoxy when you question what is an effect and they made this point in the documentary when you question what is an effect their religion you know their gaia worshiping bullshit, um they don't they don't like it you know and they they, they attack
0: i want to yeah i want to pick up on a couple of points one of them is even supposing the worst was true and this documentary, the technologies they were displaying were 10 to 20 years out of date, it doesn't true. get away from the fact that they wasted a ridiculous amount of resource. They, they want to say that, oh yeah, yeah, but the technology is 10 or 20 years out of date, as though that's the thing.
2: Is it 100% efficiency? Yeah. Yet? That's all you have to uh, ask. That, no? Okay, that doesn't make any difference. It's still kind
0: and kind. It's basically like, oh, yeah, yeah, but that technology's out of date. And it's like, so what? You're saying that this industry has been trumpeted for 20, 30 years as environmentally friendly when it was clearly a complete waste of resources. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I- I'm happy if solar panels take make more energy with less space and less materials. There's one point on the intermittency um, of it. Uh, well, so... One of the things is because we have an electrical grid, companies aren't allowed to charge you more money for energy during those times where it's um, where it's peak use. Yeah. They have to cha- charge you the same time, the same amount, right? That That's one thing, that's one market incentive that would help to deal with the, the intermittency issues if you had to pay more for your electricity, depending on where, you, where uh, when you used it. You know, people would put their washing machines and charge their phones and things at night, and then that would be less of an issue for, I'm not saying that it would make wind suddenly viable, but at least it would tip the scales in a way that environmentalists want. I don't hear them talking about that. And I just wanted to mention another thing about the the. Well, the, just the, to be
2: clear. Yeah, go on. There are other wind technologies that haven't like haven't been adopted, haven't reached mass market vi- like, viability yet, that are far superior as far as like generating purposes. Like the 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 giant space consuming method that we've used so far is most likely not the one that would ever be used. Uh, I might see if you've ever seen vertical like the vertical towers as opposed to the ones that have the actual giant windmill mm. thing like it, 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 there's i've seen ones that like literally they function by vibrating the tower itself well wow. and, and okay. that's what char like there so there's there, there are technologies out there that show promise the point, point is is that forcing them before they're ready doesn't do any good right right yeah. like yeah. you know and we need to be able to see like throwing millions of dollars to subsidize these industries throws off that cost the you know the, the cost schedules it the the throws off our ability to do a cost benefit analysis because we're not, we're not bearing that burden in a way that we can see, you know, uh, anytime that we hide the costs means that we don't see the big picture. And I, and I, that's why I'll say take away subsidies for absolutely everything so that we can see what our shit actually costs. You know, we might make a different decision. We may sit and we may completely eat our words and say, you know what, when we actually look at, all the things that go into subsidizing oil, it's just not worth it. We probably should focus on some of these technologies because, you know, what it, what it costs to keep all those airtight, te- all those, you know, big t- um, military ships floating around in the East, South China Sea costs too much. You know, all those people that we have to f- keep over in the Middle East. Yeah. That makes that cost too much to bear. Mm. But we don't, but because we can't show that equation, it's too complicated an equation. We can't get down to the real core of it. We can't do a simple cost benefit analysis because there's too many costs that we're forced to pay that we don't know about.
0: Yeah, that's a good word. And I just wanted to make one point on that. The documentary was very critical of replacing coal with natural gas. Now, I do think it's not quite clear if natural gas is less CO2, um, what the fuck is the word, man? What is wrong with me today? I, I, don't, I don't know if natural gas produces less CO2 than coal does, but it does look like, you know, it doesn't include particulate matter. Like, so there's, we're n- you're not getting the uh, mercury or nitrous dioxide or sulfur dioxide that tends to come with coal. Actually, a st- a step in the direction of a natural of natural gas is a step in the direction of all the ways that, if you read books like the Natural, um, the Rational Optimist, and such like that have been coming out in the last decade about the progress that have been made, they're all keen to cover the ways in which our air and water are getting less polluted, and in many ways, you know, our green cover in Europe and America has massively increased. Um, there, there's lots of good things going on in the environment. We're we're exposed to less environmental toxins in many ways, um, and so so I just wanted to know if you had any comments on natural gas.
2: Um, see, for me, the way that I think about all this stuff is that we have you have to allow people the choices to make the choice they're going to be. You know, maybe that's the right choice for somebody else. If you if you have a natural gas reserve in your your own country, and you don't have to sh- ship in giant tankers utilizing fossil fuels to get you, you know, oil or coal or whatever it is that you're going to burn instead, it, it may be two or three levels of, uh, you know, better for the environment. That's like people don't think about the cost of transportation. Like if you can take transportation out of the equation, um, like that's that's what makes things you know that's something that just that people just don't really factor into the equation so like say i'm sitting on a, a natural gas deposit and i'm not, not gonna burn you know as much uh, as fuel as it takes to get it to me as i'm gonna you know ver- versus the alternative then that's the way to do it and, and that's a th- and that's that's one of those things that like they take as a given in this is that what's good for everyone is, is yeah. all one thing. Yeah. And I- any market will tell you that that's not the case. Like yeah. it's, you know, I guess that's maybe you could get into the macro, like, that's just a problem with the left in general is they, everything yeah. ha there has to be one answer for everything. Yeah. The, and there just made, isn't.
1: Yeah. The documentary makes certain assumptions, uh, as, uh, and as givens, you know, one, it makes obviously the assumption that, uh, climate change, global warming is is man-made and it's catastrophic, it makes that assumption. And it also makes the assumption that all fossil fuels, be it uh, gas, coal, oil, are all innately bad and we we have to get rid of them. It doesn't even explore the, the, the concept that we could make these fuels that are problematic incredibly more efficient and incredibly cleaner. You know, um, and as you've mentioned, nuclear. Uh, I don't know what you know about thorium. I've heard some people say thorium's viable. You know, we're just not there yet. And then there's other people say, "Look, you'll never make thorium viable." I, I, I really have no idea on that one. But yeah, the the movie makes certain assumptions that it never really backs up.
2: Well, I, I, to say that nothing, something would never be viable is the most insane thing yeah. I, I, you can possibly say. The point is, is that if you have the if you have the resources and you want to test something, why in the world wouldn't they let you test it? Like, yeah. it, people that want to stop innovation scare me far more than you know somebody messing up. I guess yeah. you know humanity's pretty good at cleaning up its messes. Yeah. Uh, one thing that you did say because we're you know we're, you're talking about global warming and, and this is something that uh, the way that people talk about it and the, the things that they take for given really really affect. Um, what, what, the way that the discourse works. Yeah. So people take it as a given. Like, We'll talk about the things that are going on in the ocean. And everyone is told that, well, global warming is killing the oceans. Completely ignoring that probably what's going on in the oceans is all of the runoff from every single river on the planet, from all of the industrial waste from our farming apparatus. If the pH of your ocean is off, I tend to think it has less to do with absorbed carbon from the air than it does from all of the petrochemicals that we pump into it at an industrial level. Okay. But no one talks about th- those issues. They talk, well, they talk as if our oceans are screwed up because of global warming because right. people don't think about like, – because the, you basically you're giving your marching orders about what you're allowed to talk about. Yep. And it's incredibly frustrating that yes. – <laughs> you You can't step out of you know hegemony with, yes. with any other kind of
0: yeah one of the frustrations that I had with the environmental movement uh, when I was kind of moving this direction because I used to write quite a lot of um, stuff on free market environmentalism was the fact that the and even maybe even before I was a free marketeer. Uh, it seemed like they would speak about global warming to the exclusion of all other environmental problems that existed and if anything it was like a Trojan horse because there's things that we can more easily deal with um, if we have the consciousness to do so, but no one cares to spend their brain energy comprehending it. and putting forward comprehensive
2: solutions because i don't even think that's it let's let's face facts there is a giant political organization out there that has a very specific plan of action that it wants and it makes damn sure that we all know what our marching orders are Mm. to help fix the environment i don't feel like i need to name said organization because it's you know the biggest ngo in the world (laughs) but okay um Yeah, if you, I'm being coy, folks. It's the United Nations. Yeah. And they've given marching orders to every person on the planet of what they expect. That's what the Greta Thunbergs of the world are out there to do. They're there to make you buy into their particular way of fixing the earth. You're not allowed yeah. to deviate from their plan. It doesn't matter if you have a better idea or not because they yeah. already have their idea. So go yeah. along with it. Get in yeah. line. It doesn't well, matter how many people are going to die because of their plan. Sure, you know, because of how expensive it would make energy for the world, but then again, maybe that's the real plan is fewer people on the planet because it seems to be the thing everybody's talking about these days let's just make yeah. the earth less populous.
1: Yeah, well, you know, there's a lot of people they've come out the woodwork when it came to COVID, you know, and saying this is a great thing, and obviously, human beings are the real virus and all the rest of it. But could I ask you, Nick, what was Go for what What was your wake up call or what was there a damasking moment for you or was it just a gradual you know what was your journey from uh, being a tree hugging uh, yeah i'm sure you still hug trees but you
2: probably <laughs> i still consider myself a tree hugger absolutely yeah
1: well what
2: made you go from a
0: tree hugging lefty happy to a tree hugging i was going to say happy. righty happy but i don't think that you necessarily consider yourself a tree right uh, hugging libertarian happy
2: I mean, what's left or right mean, anyways? Exactly. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm as socially liberal as they possibly come. So, uh, for me, it, it, the big change in my life, or I guess the only thing that really changed in my life is paying attention to economics. You know, I, I stumbled onto the Tom Woods podcast and, you know, listened to those guys and, and things that always kind of seemed to not make sense about, you know, economics all of a sudden started clicking like, oh, yeah what is what's that, what's that about and you know it's kind of like once you see it you can't unsee it that's you know sense. once you know it's there like and you see that people like the people that I, you know you have paid attention to and listened to for years are just ignoring like the entire parts of science entire parts of history because it suits them to do so you know you just you start looking at the world differently and you say well sure that's what you're saying but where's the proof and does somebody else have an alternative? Right. It seems like nobody wants the alternatives. They just want someone to give them the answer and then, hey, we'll go along with it. Which, by the way, that's human nature. Like, yeah. it's, on, it's, it's on us to show people that there are other ways. So much of, like, creating the show for me was I get sick of lefties feeling morally superior, you know, when they're arguing. Yeah, I
0: get sick of that.
2: Like, the fact of the matter is, it's like... I I want to I want to ke- make the world a better place for everybody, mm. and I don't want to do it at the cost of third world third world countries. Right, can right. you say the same?
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, Nick, there's certainly no substitute for
1: you. <laughs> so can I, if can I ask people... one more yeah, go, oh, on, no, go, go on. on, go on, go on. No, no, I was going to close out the show. Oh well, no, question. well, just brief before we go. So if there's somebody, if there's people out there who stumble across this show and they're currently the, of the tree like hugging left persuasion, I mean, if, if they haven't switched off by now, if there's some seeds of doubt in their mind and they're they're thinking, yeah, you know, I I I get that there's problems with the environmental movement, but I want to see some evidence. I want to. What would you recommend? Would you recommend? Is there any particular book? Any particular? Obviously, your own podcast would be a good start but free markets any... green earth is the name well, of the podcast
2: i would say go to the liberty or liberty hippie com, okay because i i present to you the entire uh libertarian perspective through the eyes of people that don't kind of fit into the the normal binary spectrum it's it's i created it it's a a bunch of shows hand-picked specifically for i guess the hippie mentality you know okay. we've got a show about the medical benefits of marijuana it's got a free market screen earth is in the feed okay. uh, my own own show peace freaks which is more of a socially left kind of uh libertarian show the the idea is i wanted to create is to kind of yeah. be a soft landing for people that do come in from the left and say hey right. it's not all crazy right-wing former republicans because right. that was right. never me
0: well right. <laughs> well and i would have if- I would have fitted right in four or five years ago, uh, but enough time with Tam has turned me misanthrope, and uh, I'm no longer a Liberty hippie, but uh, a Liberty... I
2: mean, you, you could fool me with your episode talking about how we need to go and kill all the industrialists two weeks ago, whatever it was. But, you know, whatever. We'll, we'll address that when we address it.
1: <laughs> we will. Kill them humanely. Uh, well, maybe. And is, is, is there a particular book that you, you've, you that you've read that you were impressed with in terms of that, that um, kind of con-
2: Come on, man! I'm I'm in, I'm in my mid thirties. I grew up on YouTube. The yeah. <laughs> no hell reads books anymore? So. Yeah. Okay. I, I'm <laughs> saying
0: that there isn't really there as far as I can see, there isn't a really great recent libertarian um, introduction to libertarian environmentalism. As far as I can see. I picked up some older books, and yeah. there's some things that are um,
2: tangentially outdated.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah. There's yeah. Some, some stuff that there's there's bits of books like Healing Our World by Mary Ruart, but it's only a couple of chapters. Um, you know, I think that that is a gap that needs to be filled. I've okay. started my work. Does the Rational not...
1: Optimist touch on it at all? Yes,
0: definitely. The Rational Optimist. There's a book called. Ridley. There's a book called Abundance by a guy called Diamandis. It's more than 10 years old now, so a lot of the stuff there will be
1: yeah.
0: outdated. I mean, but it I goes know I like through lots things. and lots of technologies. I know he's updating his book. All right, that's cool. Um, Abundance goes through Just... tons of technologies that may be in the horizon that would significantly reduce our resource usage while... Im- while being better for the environment. But the funny thing is, it's more than 10 years old and a lot of them haven't emerged yet. So well, what does that say for just them?
2: for the record, uh, we naturally reduce our resource usage yeah. on, a, on a per item basis because if we can cut costs on how we yeah, produce yeah, it, of course we're what, going to. It's going that, to happen innately. I and think the, book, we, the
0: book More From Less just recently came out that's all about that, how we've reduced our d- resource usage. You can check out the author on YouTube. I mean, ahead. you can
2: read Steven Pinker. I mean, he's got stuff on that in his books where he's you know, trying to prove how much better the world is than it used to be. It's a very optimistic look at how much we've... How, it basically, it breaks down by the numbers all of the things that people think are worse but are actually better about the world from where they were 50 years ago. Um, the Moral Case for Fossil Fuels by Zach Epstein is a, is a good book. Zach, I always kind of take with a... Uh,
0: it's Alex, isn't it? Or Alex, sorry. yeah, course, Alex, yeah. I'm saying. <laughs> sorry.
2: Sorry. Um, I always kind of take him with a grain of salt just because I realize he is a product of the energy industry.
0: Yes.
2: And so, you know, it's with anything. I, you know, pay attention to who's saying what because what's their agenda? What's the point? I, I would encourage you to do the same things about me. You know, pay attention to what my motivations are. are. You know, I make no bones about it for me. I, I just think that human ingenuity presents opportunities that focusing on, a, on the destructive power of humans. Well,
0: you're, you're just secretly <laughs> on the pay of human genius You're human just the, shell of
1: the of the, you can't have all that money, the fossil fuel industry and the nuclear industry. God,
2: is, God I would love it, it if they'd start sending me checks. That'd be great, please. <laughs> well, Dude, the, Think um, about how
1: I feel. I've got to go out and do a shitty job just to hide the fact that the fossil fuel industry is pumping all this money into my bank account.
2: (laughs) I go out every day and could get shot at my job so that I can, you know, shill for whoever I'm shilling for.
0: (laughs) Right, well, Nick, you've been a fantastic and very qualified guest. Uh, It was great to learn some of your insights. And thanks for floating out the idea of doing a show on this documentary. Uh, A real pleasure to have you. If you want more free market environmentalism, you can find Free Market Green Earth on your usual podcasting app. I did uh, episodes with Nick on there, but you've probably, if you're a regular listener, already heard it on our feed. So, anything else to plug?
2: FreeMarketScreenEarth.com if you want the show notes and all the fancy stuff. Other than that, no, that's about it.
0: Excellent. Thank you very much. Thanks for having and, me on, guys. Yeah, good to have you. And you too, Tam, even though you're co-host.